Hello, my friends. You're going to enjoy this next woman of consequence. She was quite a surprise to me. I didn't expect to find such traumatic death in this delicate woman, but was enthralled in her stories and experiences. And yet it was her success that tickled me the most. Emma Beckerly bucked the medical system that addicted her to begin with, and all with the help of cannabis. You're going to love the energy of today's guest, Miss Emma Beckerly, right after the intro. Welcome to Season 4 of the Cannabis Truth Podcast. I speak the language of cannabis freely and uncensored while educating my audience on the safe use of this live plant therapy. You should know what's in your cannabis, what's good and what's not. It does not come with an FDA stamp of approval just yet. Using cannabis mindfully as medication is a different concept in Western healthcare philosophy, specifically of the past 100 years. There's a lot to learn and reconsider. The information you'll find here comes straight from scientists and clinicians doing the work and reporting their findings in real time through various live online outlets. The scientific truth of cannabis is finally getting out and is wide open for all to see at the respected medical sites like PubMed.gov and JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association. And I'm right there in the thick of it with all those titans of medicine as a fly in the wall because I'm not a doctor, nor did I go to med school, but I did take dozens of private cannabis courses and still engage in continuing education offered by cannabis expert scientists. I love amplifying their work and talking to people all day long about this plant therapy. Cannabis is an amazing alternative in health remedies that can alleviate typical disease problems and troubling side effects, even those caused by synthetic prescriptions. This is Honey Smith Walls, a 21st century cannabis shaman, not a doctor, not a scientist, raised by nuns and wolves in the verdant cattle pastures of the Oklahoma oil fields. I'm here to amplify the truth of this great big story of cannabis in historical, political, scientific, and spiritual terms so you can make educated decisions about the medicine you choose to ingest. I have Emma. Hello. How are you? Good afternoon, honey. It's so nice to hear your voice. Thank you for meeting us today and helping us understand a little bit about your world. Did we meet at uh, Canadelic? You got Miami? it. You That's got right. It. We did. We did. We met during, um, there was a fantastic nurses panel oh man yeah that was so amazing that was one of my favorites one of my favorites and and uh cannabis nurses are near and dear to my heart so Mm. (laughs) I loved it that was a great conference it it was I had so much fun and I felt like I was in the lap of love of about a thousand really close friends yes that's exactly it it's such a warm space I always feel like that when I'm in um, particularly the psychedelic and cannabis focused conferences. It's always seems very welcoming and we're all sort of, we, we're here for a reason, it feels like. Well, we all have a beginning to it and there's some thing that draws us all to this space and then it's the compassion that keeps us here. 
because we understand, you know, how, how helpful it is. Exactly. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm just tickled that you could come, Emma. Um, (laughs) Listen, I want you to know too, that I listened to the whole episode on uh, Explorers Academy podcast that you did with what's his name? Real sweet oh, guy. Oh, yeah, that was, oh, yeah, that, oh, that was, that, it was funny because that was my first time doing, like, a Twitter spaces, uh, and so they moved it over to Spotify, but it was, like, we did a Twitter live space, and I'll admit, I'm not the most uh, social media savvy. <laughs> Uh, nor I, but you know, you did well for yourself and, and that particular episode brought me to tears when you were hugging yourself. So, oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. I I appreciate that. I really enjoyed the conversation. It Um, was lovely. And for anybody else who has an opportunity, the podcast is called Explorers Academy podcast. And so you can find it uh, on Spotify. It was really good. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Well, <laughs> introduce yourself to uh, the audience, would you please, and let them know why we're excited to be here talking about what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So my name's Emma Beckerly. I work professionally. I have been working professionally in cannabis for the last five years uh, in the legal spaces. And in the last two years, I actually pivoted into psychedelics as well so adding that to my focus so i'm 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 living in both spaces and my my world has really been on the business strategy side so mm-hmm. i currently have my own management consulting and business strategy agency that I run out of New York, working with small businesses in cannabis and in psychedelics. And um, that's what I'm really helping these small businesses grow and navigate these very challenging, (laughs) nascent yet growing and highly regulated industries that are cannabis and psychedelics. Sounds like the perfect pairing because you absolutely could not do this without a lawyer. <laughs> you couldn't. You really couldn't. And the thing I want to be clear too, I'm not a lawyer, but I surround myself with many. <laughs> I'm not a scientist, but I hang out with that tribe on LinkedIn and I'm here to tell you. <laughs> you it, know, it, it's you nice know. rubbing shoulders with somebody smarter than you about stuff like that, that's, isn't that's, it? That's yes, that's the game. Absolutely. That's the game. Yeah. <laughs> and and I adore that tribe and I you know, I would do anything for any one of them. Those doctors leading in science and all of that jazz. I'm just so proud of their leadership and courage you know and you too I I often try to spotlight women and uh I call it women and weed you know how that goes yes, uh, yes. but you know it's 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 such a courageous move for a woman because uh well hello history <laughs> yes there's a we we uh historically have been probably a little bit less um open to risk because the opportunities haven't haven't been there. they've been more limited for us so i think women historically in the workplace have been more risk averse so diving into the cannabis industry i dove in in 2018 and the reason why i did is because i discovered the plant late in my life um in my late 20s after having battled a lot of addiction in my early 20s and teens mm-hmm. with other other more legal substances and when i yeah I hello prescriptions with- exactly and so so for me i was drawn the risk jumping into the cannabis industry uh the risk was worth it because i i believe so deeply in the powerful medicine that it is for so many people. And, and I, I felt that because I come from a very typical corporate 
background and have mm-hmm. had success in my traditional corporate career, mm-hmm. I felt that um, it was, I, I, I just sort of felt like it was a responsibility where it's like use my skills to help build an industry that I know can actually help people. And that's, that was really the catalyst in 2018 to pivot. I, I feel that same uh, tug of responsibility to the public. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I, I'm just compelled to let everybody know everything I'm finding out about it. I think it's important. It's, um, uh, I'm a, I love, I, I love mushrooms and I love like plant medicine. And, um, so I, 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 I'm a nerd about all that stuff, but I think of it as like mycelium, right? Like a mycelial network. And, um, if you're benefiting from these things, there is some level of responsibility to, to share that experience because I think so much of this has been kept under wraps because of the stigma. So I think the more, people like you, like me, that Mm -hmm. um, may not look like what the typical cannabis user from people that are highly stuck in this stigmatized version of it. I think it's important to hear these different voices and different faces and really normalize it. You know, my eyes were opened. My eyes were opened at Canadelic. That was my first, um, you know, crossover. I've just been in, in a single lane of cannabis you know, mm. w- which is actually multiple lanes. Yeah, but... yeah. That's a very wide, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? I think this is a wide lane in a <laughs> No kidding. <laughs> so, but then I started growing my own mushrooms and, and was introduced oh, cool. to a few Paul Samet's books and, oh, <laughs> yeah. holy mother of goddesses, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, Jesus, this whole world just uh, opened up for me. It's and truly so, incredible. That's, yeah, it that's is. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, so I've got some very close friends who are uh, licensed um, clinicians and practitioners, and they're, you know, wondering how to stand out in this uh, new medical psycho field, um, you know, and doing, trying to raise a clinic when the legislation is still rolling under your feet yes it's challenging so how do you stand out doing that while still protecting your license absolutely it's and it's a challenge and it's it's interesting I'm connected with a lot of there's a lot of really incredible work being done underground with a lot of you know licensed therapists Uh and Mm -hmm. psychiatrists out there across the country across the world that they see, they see the research, all the science behind psychedelics, but also cannabis, like they're, they're connected. Cannabis is a medicine as well. And while I think the markets are going to like the industries are going to look very different uh, when you compare psychedelics and cannabis, they both, there's so much healing benefit and, and so much less uh, damage that could potentially be done versus what's available now. So these doctors and clinicians see that and they see the benefits of it and um there's there's bravery happening where people are sourcing safe products and 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 trying to help people and there's a ton of that happening on the underground right now but you're right like people are being put into these situations where they are are taking some level of risk and they're doing so because they believe so deeply in the healing powers of these medicines and in a lot of cases that it's a last last stop effort right oh yeah oh yeah everything else um and so what i'm seeing though is that there's there's now at least some pathways into starting to get your feet wet in psychedelics without necessarily putting yourself in major risk you're seeing these ketamine clinics all over right and for there it is right yep so there's ketamine clinics that are all over the country now so people are now well ketamine is 
not a classic psychedelic. There are psychedelic experiences that can happen while you're at certain dosages. And there is, um, there is some neuroplasticity that comes from ketamine, but they are, they are very different because it's technically an anesthetic, as you know. Um, but so I'm seeing clinicians starting to open up ketamine clinics with the intention and essentially building these facilities with the intention that they will expand into other psychedelics. I see. For just for the sake of my audience who may not understand the difference between using cannabis for psychotherapy and using some of these other psychedelics like MMDA and uh, uh, magic mushrooms, psilocybin um, and other other compounds, there is a huge difference in the therapy that happens. Maybe you can explain it better than I can, because I've, I've only been into mushrooms for a very, very short time, but I'm here to tell you, you need to know which mushroom you're going to be taking. (laughs) You need to journal that shit down (laughs) and you need to have somebody there to hold your hand through that process because you may or may not have a good time on that product and you won't know until you use it. Will you? Yes. Yes. That's, they're super different and you, you nailed it, which is um, they're, they're two different and, and they're both, cannabis and and there's still so much research to be done around cannabis too i get there's so much science and that's that's the thing that's interesting psychedelics is moving it's going to move faster in terms of descheduling than cannabis which is completely insane to think about but it's just true because there is so much research and science behind it um that hasn't happened as much in cannabis but i believe will start to ramp up because there's just so many incredible compounds within the plant terpenes Um, and all of that but that's the same for these other natural plant products isn't it it's true and it's like we've just started to scratch the surface there you go with mushrooms so um psilocybe mushrooms which are a class of mushrooms that have the psychedelic Mm -hmm. uh, psilocybin psilocin which is essentially what gives you that psychedelic experience that people seek out um that that the way that essentially though those mushrooms like that's just those are just one piece of it if you think about cannabis we've got no kidding cbda we've got cbd we've got THC. cbg yeah thousands of compounds it's on. true right so so with even so with fungi it's the same kind of deal where there's so many different parts of the fungi right. that still needs to be studied so right. it's just very exciting to think about how much more there is to learn across all of these different classes um did you hear ahead. that paul stamets got his his own mushroom named after him stamitzy or something like that <laughs> it's about time he, he did yeah isn't it though <laughs> yeah it really is and so i just saw that yesterday <laughs> i didn't see that but i'm glad because that man has done more for mushrooms He's, than anyone for humanity else. yes absolutely yeah i've even got my dog is on paul stamets seven blend <laughs> i kid you oh. not Oh, see, see, now you are taking care of your dog. That is, that is, that's good well, dog ownership. Well, <laughs> she's got um, Cushing's disease, which is an enlargement oh. of the organs. And oh so, goodness. you know, all that stuff and all that seven blend of mushrooms that's in a little powdered capsule. And oh I break goodness. that open and, and mush it, mush it into a little bratwurst oh. and then, and then give half of it to her in the morning and half at night. And oh, she's doing wonderful. so well. Oh my gosh. 
oh well that's that's that is wonderful to hear. i know that's i really make sure cool. my my veterinarian knows that too and i've got her on cannabis she's on uh dr sulak cbda product twice a day wow fantastic <laughs> that's your dog's healthier than most people <laughs> well you know it, it's been a big help and that's the whole point of these drugs i sorry compounds uh and plant compounds and i want to get this across if i can i'm not sure that i was able to to say it uh, very well a moment ago but there is a huge difference in the effects of cannabis and the effects of uh, magic mushrooms, for instance, or MMDA. And what I am hearing in the clinical world is that cannabis is wonderful for helping people, you know, um, uh, uh, lift their spirit, but for serious PTSD and uh, negative looping thoughts and flashbacks and all of that, um, mushrooms have really been able to stop that stuff. Whereas you, you continue taking cannabis to ease the issue, but the mushrooms stop it or Absolutely. the MMDA stops it, you know, after yeah. one or two, one or two, um, sorry, um, sessions. Yeah. So, and, and it, you nailed it. Right. And so the diff, so the way that I think about it is, is sort of twofold, right? So when I think, so I use, and, and so just to sort of share with the audience, my own personal practice. So oh, I, yeah. So just to sort of like anchor, like what I do on a daily basis and I'm not, I'm not a doctor, I'm not recommending this, but I think it's, it's helpful to, for people to understand just yeah. what people are doing to manage their mental health um, and wellness in general. So for me, I use cannabis in the evenings. Um, I, I, I smoke flour, so I, I'm a joint girl. Um, me too. <laughs> um, so I, and I use cannabis medicinally for um, sleep and anxiety, really. It's just a way mm -hmm. for me to uh, turn, turn down the dial as the day winds down. I have a very active brain. I'm diagnosed with ADHD, mm -hmm. um, among other things. So I, I definitely, cannabis has been something that has helped sort of give me, um, a bit of ease at the end of the day and ease into the evening. And it has been a game changer for my sleep health. I don't drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. I don't take any prescribed drugs. Um, and so cannabis for me is a, symptom manager to some extent. Wow. Yes, of course. Yeah. So, and, and I think of cannabis, cannabis is incredibly helpful physically too, because it's anti-inflammatory. There's all of these really wonderful benefits of consuming cannabis in various forms um, yes. physically. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and pain management and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's all wonderful, but I do think of cannabis more uh, as a symptom manager and to make uh, yeah I agree I think it's a perfect uh uh term for it because yeah. it doesn't really you know you know doesn't get rid of it right but it yes exactly and and so the way that I think and and this is just based on the science based on the studies with with psychedelics um and there's classic psychedelics mm -hmm. uh which is that the classic psychedelics, when people say psychedelics, for the most part, they're talking about mushrooms, psilocybin uh -huh. mushrooms. They're mm -hmm. talking about 
um, LSD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, and then there's some, they're talking about some other ones like DMT, 5-MeO-DMT, and there's these classic psychedelics that are sort of grouped together. Then you have uh, MDMA, which is also bucketed within the psychedelics realm, but MDMA is an empathogen. So I can chat about that a little bit more directly as it relates to like why that works in therapy in a specific kind of way. Yeah. But it's a little bit different than taking psilocybin, for example. And ketamine is not an empathogen or a classic psychedelic. It's actually an anesthetic that at certain doses gives you a psychedelic experience. Generally, veterinarians used it historically. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a very safe anesthetic. They use it um, like war medics will use it because it's one of the safest anesthetics that's out there. There you go. Um, So so it's 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 the safety profile of it is is high. And then when you have and I have spoken to countless veterans and groups that like people that have just their lives have been saved because of ketamine um, as well as MDMA and the other psychedelics like the stories that I have heard from people with direct experiences from going from a crisis situation to genuinely feeling normal again is truly truly astonishing Um, but like you said the thing with psychedelics is what it's doing is it is disrupting to some extent rigid thought patterns and what it does and what these psychedelics across the classes do to some extent. Um, MDMA, a little bit different, and I'll explain that in a minute. Um, But what they do is it's actually building new neural connections. So it's opening up neural pathways and increasing connectivity within your brain. And there's really cool um, images online where you can actually see somebody who has had a brain scan before a psilocybin experience and after and how it's connecting all of these different pieces and parts of your brain and really opening up these new pathways, what that does and why psilocybin and these classic psychedelics in general is so effective for things like OCD, eating disorders, alcohol use disorder, um, depression, anxiety, all of that is that because we tend to get into and it's just our brains are using up so much energy. So they're constantly trying to preserve energy. And how do we do that? We create habits and thought patterns and thought loops. And that's just a way for our brain to be like, okay, we are using up so much energy. How do we keep ourselves um, sort of energy positive? And these rigid thought patterns develop to preserve energy. But we have to consider the world that we exist in. We have created, we have really domesticated ourselves and the world that we exist in is so far beyond what our natural bodies and reactions, like our bodies evolve over thousands of years. So we're responding to the world in this way that our bodies were doing a thousand years ago to some extent. So things aren't necessarily connecting. And what happens in with this hyper-stimulated world is that these thought patterns really, really get stuck and what personally, and I can share my experiences with psilocybin, even with microdosing, but opening up these neural pathways is what it does is it sort of shines a lens on things and shows you that there's a different way to think about things. And it literally, the way that like the analogy that I use is that it clears the windshield. It's not gonna, nec- it's not gonna change your personality. It's not gonna change you as a person. But what it does is it sort of shakes out 
some of the fog or dirt or grime that is kind of built up over the windshield. And then it allows you to see things more clearly. Um, and wow. it's really so. So when we think about psychedelics, the reason why it's so unbelievably powerful and genuinely mind blowing to think about all of the benefits is because when we look at the class of drugs that exist today that are available for psychiatric disorders, we're talking about benzodiazepines, we're talking about some of these antipsychotics, these things aren't making your brain better. They're not helping you function better. They're, I mean, they're helping you function better, but they're not helping your brain actually heal. And that's the difference when I think about cannabis mm. versus um, psychedelics is that cannabis, for me, I still use it on a daily basis, but I also recognize that um, it's not necessarily making my brain better. It's, it's helping, but it's the, the better is kind of a, it's a tough word because it is, because if you're in a high stress situation all the time, that's horrible for your health. If you're not sleeping at night, that's horrible for your health. So it's mm -hmm. always a cost benefit analysis. So mm -hmm. for me, cannabis smoking in general, isn't the most healthy form factor, regardless of the substance. But for me, I know that if I'm not, if I am not using cannabis in the evening, I'm going to have a much harder time falling asleep. I'm going to probably be a little bit more anxious. And for me, cannabis has made my life substantially better but it's not necessarily where I'm taking mushrooms. And I know that I've actually, my brain is genuinely stronger because of it. And I'm seeing things more clearly and I am more present and tuned in. And it's, it's truly like magical when you actually experience it for yourself. Um, I gotta, I gotta tell you, that is the honest truth. <laughs> it's, it's mysterious. It, uh, it's, my happy one was golden teacher. Yes. One afternoon in, you know, with a bunch of friends at a big thing and we just had a ball. I was, <laughs> wow. I, you know, I, I think I heard you describe it. You, this amazing love. Yeah, feeling of love just comes over you. And it's, you know, it's the same kind of feeling like when you see your first baby or yes. you fall in love, you know, or something like that. It's really that kind of feeling of love. It's so elevated. It's so elevated. You, you nailed it. It's perfect. And for me personally, like I, my psilocybin journey, um, I, I really started, I mean, in college, like it's the typical, like I'd messed around recreationally, but I didn't really start my psychedelic healing journey until the start of the pandemic in March, 2020. Mm. <laughs> like, so I, um, just a little bit of background about me. So I, um, I grew up North of New York city, um, in a bit of a blue collar town. Um, I'm half Irish. My mom's Irish, um, dual citizen. So she moved here when she was in her twenties and I grew up in a town that was super conservative. I was raised Catholic. We went through the dare program. So very much indoctrinated. <laughs> Hello, Nancy Reagan. <laughs> yeah. Cannot yeah. get rid of her. Yeah. So, so like we grew up, but I grew up in a very alcohol, like heavy, society. So alcohol was always a part of our lives. Cigarette, like at that point in time, people were smoking cigarettes all the time. Um, so I grew up where, it, and it was the, when I was in school, that's when people's, the ADHD thing, the ADD thing started to crop up. So then it was really that. Hey, you know what, you know what Ethan Russo says about that? What? 
Dr. Ethan Russo, MD, and leading cannabinoidologist in the world, says that people started coming up with ADHD and stuff because of a lack of of uh, cannabis to feed their endocannabinoid system of receptors. That was oh. about that time, about 80 years ago. You know, they stopped letting our our cows and chickens have oh uh, hemp feed. Yeah. And so about that time, then all these quirky little new, you know, ugly symptom shit kept happening to all of our, our society and voila. Oh my gosh. That's fascinating. That's really interesting. I hadn't made that connection to the, um, like the, the farming industry and right. Wow. That's so interesting. Yes. Okay. That makes so sense. go on. That makes sense though. So yeah, it was interesting. So, so I grew up in this, it was anti-drug, right? Yeah. But, um, and so I really, my journey with, with drugs started with dare because I honestly yeah. did, I was like, this is, I don't, this seems like BS to me. There was just, it was just, I always had that. I was a bit of a, um, a contrarian always. Um, so always was questioning things, but what dare did is it built this fascination in my head about just, I was like, okay, they're saying these drugs are horrible. I was a kid too. I was a young kid. And so I started to go to the library and actually like get books on cocaine and heroin. And why didn't you believe what they were saying? I yeah. mean, I why, very- why didn't we believe it? It was too mamby pamby. What was it? Goody two shoes. We just knew it was bullshit. Yeah. It's just, and, and so, and I, like, I was like, we went very Catholic too. So there was all of these things that seemed very um, contradictory in mm-hmm. the world that I was sort of existing in. And so, but I, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't into, and then when I, I wasn't into drugs or anything like that, but then when I got into high school, my sophomore year, I was diagnosed with a pretty substantial heart issue. And Mm. at that point in time, I was doing a lot of athletics and had to immediately stop because of the heart issue. And what that did was it opened up a lot of open space in my life. Mm -hmm. And I, I quickly got involved in a party crowd. I, I started, you know, so, and I, in retrospect, I absolutely didn't handle the diagnosis well. I was a kid. So I just, I don't think I knew how to process it. So I just started really acting up and it was almost immediate, um, started getting into drugs, alcohol, dating older guys, like all this stuff. (laughs) And, um, by the time I was 18, I was a full on, full blown alcoholic, like full, full blown. And, um, I didn't know it though, to be honest, I didn't know it because I was in such a container in the town that I was growing up in and all my friends were in a very similar boat. It Mm. was only until I went away to college that I realized that the way that I was interacting with this was not normal. Yeah. yeah, Like literally my like month two freshman year, there was an intervention by all these new friends that I had made with me. Wow. Yeah. And so that was like, and I was so confused. I, I genuinely, I got to tell you, I was so confused because even in my family, going back to Ireland, like out, like just blatant abuse of alcohol was just such a normal space that I had existed in. So Hello, I, Catholicism. Oh my God. No, I'm saying I was drinking wine since I could walk. Like, yeah. Just, um, so, so it was just like, it was such a, I, I was, I was, it was such a culture shock. I, I was so, so confused. But then um, when in 2006, I was 18, that at the end of my freshman year, I ended up having open heart surgery. Hey, my friends, 
I want to give you a tip about a neurologist I know and trust. Dr. Anthony Mazzo is a highly rated specialist who is not quick to prescribe traditional synthetic chemicals when he knows that gentle cannabis plant therapy will likely give the needed relief. I know this to be true because I had to see him for my own old lady neuropathy issues. He did not prescribe the usual synthetic stuff. He told me to go get a particular kind of cannabis instead and use it in a very specific way to find relief. He also told me that smoking cannabis is like taking a shower when you're thirsty. You'll get wet, but it won't go inside unless you drink it. He said that smoking should be used for acute symptoms and ingesting will keep us healthy longer. Thank you, Dr. Mazzo. We think every doctor in America should have your knowledge in their little black bag. See his clinic details in my show notes. Dr. Anthony Mazzo in Melbourne, Florida at the Brevard Neuro Center. Friends, I'm just stunned to realize how difficult it is to find trustworthy, high-quality CBD products that are full-spectrum, you know, the whole plant, with all the natural compounds extracted for you to consume, as nature provided. They just don't carry it in the dispensaries in my town. They push their own isolate brands, and, you know, that's just not good enough for me. It doesn't have all the compounds. I've heard a lot of complaints about how to find consistent, over-the-counter CBD products, and I have a solution. Last year, I became an affiliate partner with Healer Hemp Products. Dr. Dustin Sulak, who created this line, is truly one of the greatest leaders in cannabis to this day, giving his patients relief from their issues for many years with his Healer CBD products that can be shipped now to all 50 states. I use his acidic version of cannabidiol, or CBDA. It has everything plus a lot more of the compound which Dr. Sulak and other leaders in this industry have found to be more potent, thereby using less, which ends up making a big difference in your wallet but it also adds many benefits to your body. Start lifting your quality of life with Healer CBD products today and check out that sweet discount just waiting for you in the link below. So I had open heart surgery after my freshman year. I was still drinking alcohol. I was also smoking cigarettes too. Like I was a full- Oh my God. I was a full blow. Yeah, as soon as I- I guess got, you were in denial. I was, I was not accepting. No, I, the, kind of the reaction in retrospect the reaction when I got the heart diagnosis, because they said, they were like, if we hadn't found this, you wouldn't have made it to 21. You're super lucky. I didn't feel lucky because I was a kid and I <laughs> couldn't really understand it. So yeah. my reaction in retro, I didn't have the capacity to really identify it at the time, but I just, I started shoplifting. I started like doing all this bad stuff. It was a total rebellious, screw you universe, YOLO. I'm just going to do me. from here on out and so I reacted I was you know I just didn't have the skills or the coping mechanisms to really process it or appreciate it and so the interesting thing though was so I was already deep in alcohol I was smoking I had started smoking cigarettes when I was about 14 and then like just was fully addicted to it I thought it was cool like I I went into Mm. it trying to get addicted to cigarettes if I'm being real like I was like my mom was a smoker she's a drinker and so I just I don't know. 
Yeah. Catholic Irish. Yeah. Smoker, drinker. Exactly. (laughs) And I remember as a kid, my mom, she, she smokes Benson and she smokes. She's, she doesn't smoke anymore. Did you start to say Benson and Hedges? Yes. That's what my mother smoked. (laughs) So my mom smoked Benson and Hedges. And I remember when she'd come home from work, she commuted into the city. She would sit on our porch and she'd smoke a cigarette. It always seemed like such a nice routine, you know? And I was like, that seems cool. Like, let me do that. Um, And so, so after that first heart surgery though, that was in 2006 and they gave, gave me a ton of painkillers um to go home with and that at that point they were capping the opiates the way that they are now because oh boy the oxy stuff hadn't escalated as much as it had at this point so i went home with a lot of bags and bags and a lot of oh percocet yeah and so the interesting thing was is that that summer uh, that was the first summer back from college so my Mm -hmm. friends who had all gone away they came back and I had all these pills on me. And then all of a sudden it sort of opened up this world where I'm like, oh, this is another tool that I can add to this toolkit. And they kept refilling my prescriptions. And by the end of the summer, I was like very, my taste for painkillers was there. Now it was combined with alcohol and then the rest. And cigarettes. I actually quit cigarettes after the surgery. Oh, good. Because I was in the hospital for 10 days. And then that summer, I couldn't actually like move. So I couldn't actually do the the cigarette smoking. Ah. <laughs> so, so knocked that vice out and then added painkillers in. And so I'm special. Yeah. And so the rest of my college career was a, um, a bit of a blur. Um, it was drugs, alcohol laden. And um I'll bet that's how half the women in in the United States feel today, that their lives are a bit of a blur because of all the prescription meds they're on. You got it. You got it. Yeah. And completely. And so I, the the thing that I feel blessed about is that um, I never messed with cocaine. I actually never messed with um, any other stimulants outside Mm -hmm. of coffee and Mm -hmm. like energy drinks because while I was reckless, I wasn't, I knew my heart was a risk and I wasn't trying to die. So yeah. I avoided the stimulant class of drugs and really start like indexed towards painkillers, alcohol, and benzos towards the end of my college career got introduced and that changed everything. Honestly, I think um, benzodiazepines of all the drugs that I've been involved in was the scariest because they were so wonderful in terms of oh my gosh oh my Um, gosh yeah so but the thing that was interesting about it is that so I graduated in 2009 Mm -hmm. if you recall 2009 wasn't the best time to graduate (laughs) because the financial crisis and the housing market collapsed um that fall oh my gosh so there were there was no work and I was uh, you know so I graduated and basically did couldn't find work moved back home I was working at my dad's um lumber yard I was waitressing and I was just desperately trying to find work I was a business major finance etc and um so that summer really is when like the drug use really started to escalate because I was feeling kind of depressed about my status And and then really there was this moment where um I, I had the pills, but I, I, I was spending my money on, on the stuff. And I was starting to like lift pills from like other, like I'd go to people's houses and check their medicine cabinets and everybody had, that was the thing is like, everybody, everybody had, had them. them. Oh my God, Emma. Everyone, everyone had them. 
And so you just take a couple here and there. And then it got to this point where I realized like, I can't do this anymore. I also can't afford this. And it's that scary fork in the road when you've gotten into this sort of cycle of the pill taking where you're like, I can't afford this. What do I do? And then the only next step is like going to the street. And that's when it starts getting scary. And it was this moment where I looked in the mirror and I was like, I know I, I know somebody I can call. And then I looked in the mirror and I just was like, this can't be your life. Like this can't be your life. This can't be what it is. And so it was that moment. And it felt like genuinely (laughs) felt like divine intervention. Yeah. Because I was sick. I was feeling sick. I was in withdrawal and I was desperate. And I looked in the mirror and I said, okay, you just have to stop everything. Quit the alcohol, quit the pills. You can't do shit. You need to move forward. And like, and I was like, you had an epiphany. Yeah. And I wasn't religious, but I did. I, uh, you know, I wasn't, I'm spiritual, but at that time I literally like talked to God and I was like, if I quit everything forever, like if I never touch this stuff again, like, please help me figure, like help get me through it in my life. Um, and so that was the, the last day I, I entered into Narcotics Anonymous, Al- Alcoholics Anonymous the following day. Um, and then the following week, <laughs> I got a call about um, this. It's not a great job, but it was a it was a step in. It was a travel like a marketing coordinator at a travel business in New York. And it was two days a week. They were paying nothing. But I was like, <laughs> at least at least this is a step forward yeah. versus like and no disrespect to waitressing or working at small retail businesses but the the context there is that i just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in school with this stupid degree exactly I, you know so so it's just I you I, have so many so much more to offer than yeah serving just, that way yeah right. i was i was young so i wasn't now in retro I'm, i wish i could go back and say hey you know the whole world was collapsing like mm-hmm. it wasn't you being a loser it Mm-mm. was macro but I couldn't see it at that time and Mm. um and so I never looked back right so I never Mm -hmm. looked back to the pills at that point and I was full sober for like five uh, that was I was 22 at that point that was 2009 I was sober until my late 20s um full full nothing like no alcohol no pills no cannabis nothing and then in my late 20s I had skyrocketed up in my career because I had replaced my addiction, my substance addiction with workaholism, which, yeah. you know, <laughs> yes, it was good for my career, maybe not for my mental health. Yeah. Hello, 16 <laughs> hours. No <Real> familiar <laughs> with it. You know, you know, so, so I just filled my, I filled every minute of my time up with work and I continued yeah. that motion, honestly, right up until the pandemic. But I discovered cannabis when I was working in Massachusetts for this tech startup that um, we ultimately got acquired by Grubhub for half a billion dollars in 2018. So it was a successful run, but very stressful. And so uh, cannabis was legal for medical at that point in time. I got my med card and then started to explore cannabis and CBD just for anxiety and like sleep health. And yeah, that opened up my world. And yeah. when I started interacting with cannabis, uh, it wasn't the first time I had, but it was the first time I had in a sort of a medicinal intentional way. Yeah. And I realized, holy crap, yeah. I am not having these same demon voices yeah. begging for me to be like, like messed up all the time. It's a totally yeah. different interaction. Vying That's- for your attention, screaming at you constantly, oh telling gosh. you what to do. It, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And honey, like 
that, that, that for me was when I was like, whoa, we've been lied to. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, I've been told that the things that almost destroyed my life were okay. Um, Cause like I entered into uh, painkillers via a prescription. Alcohol was something that I grew up around. Benzodiazepines, while I didn't have a prescription, my friend did. And like, that's yeah. how I got it. Yeah. Um, and so, so for me, that's, that's when I was like, I need to just go hard on educating myself on everything there is to know about cannabis, CBD, plant, <laughs> plants, drugs, the drug laws. And I just started educating myself. Um, and that was, that was in 2016. And honestly, from that point on, I knew I, I wouldn't look back. And then in 2018, when Grubhub acquired our company, um, I knew that I wanted to pivot into cannabis. I exited with my equity. It gave me some space. And that's really why I launched myself into the cannabis industry and moved back to New York um, in 20, end of 2018 to do so. And um, like that was sort of the journey to get me here. The interesting thing is that I had to get another open heart surgery um, in 2019. And um, that was an interesting experience because the last time I'd gotten a open heart surgery, I was drinking, I was addicted to cigarettes, I was 18, I was a hot mess. (laughs) And this time I was like meditating and doing yoga. Oh, good for you, girl. (laughs) And like I had this like whole wellness routine but I was like, what am I going to do? I know they're going to give me painkillers to manage the pain when I leave the hospital. How, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And so that was the catalyst for me to get my CBD and cannabis health coach certification. So I just start, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I can't ask a doctor about this. So I'm going to train myself. To coach Isn't that the damnedest? I can't ask a doctor yep. about this. Yep. Yep. That is just so freaking frustrating to me yes and it's still true it's still a true statement to a to most people I would say absolutely and so then the the catalyst for that is because when when they I knew I would have to get another one I have a valve that needs to get replaced every 10 to 12 years like it's just a thing Uh um so I knew it was coming but when I talked to the doctor I was like look the last time I went through this kind of set me on a different path I can't really have pills on hand like what like can I look at CBD can I look at cannabis and there was just and not to knock them they're cardiologists it's not it's outside of their purview but it was like a like it's it basically the response was in 2006 versus 2019 the amount of opiates that we're going to send you home with is much more limited right like so so yeah they're not wrong about that. It was more limited. Like I, it was carte blanche back in 2006. It was like, you could get refills like every two weeks. It was crazy. Um, well, but this time around, I was like, that's not good enough for me. Like I, yeah. I not, and I just don't necessarily trust myself. So that's why I did the CBD cannabis thing. And mm-hmm. so, um, what happened was is that I went in for the surgery came out. And then when I went home, they did, they wouldn't send us home without, painkillers so I gave right. it to my husband and I was uh-huh. like you take them um hold them I don't think I'll need it and so I came up and I was basically doing it was like a CBD low dose THC pain management regime um and I didn't take painkillers when I got out of the hospital at all when I was home I was on them obviously in the hospital because they have you on morphine drips and stuff like that right but less worried about that more about just like actual self administering right right, right. And I got to tell you, um, 
the while the pain isn't knocked out the way it is on opiates it's yeah. not it's it's not unbearable and i got it like i was more comfortable wow. because the the painkillers require other medications to keep your body stable while you're on the painkillers so i was on substantially less medications just to manage the medications i was on and the thing that was really interesting for me is that my my recovery was probably about 50% faster. It was the exact same surgery, exact same surgeon, <laughs> actually, that I had wow. the first time around. No change at the exact same hospital. Um, and my, my recovery was substantially faster. And I wow. genuinely believe it's because if you think about CBD and cannabis, the anti-inflammatory and the healing benefits of it. Yeah. It's all it's it's doing so much good for your body. Yeah. Whereas the painkillers is just focusing on this one thing. That's right. And that to me was like the mind blowing piece of it. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Holy cow! This is next level. And again, yeah. I'm not recommending people do this, but I am saying that it's important for everyone to have agency in their own health and healing. And Oh, <laughs> I'm so glad you said that out loud. I've been on this whole autonomy for women kick thing. Oh, my you know, God. and oh you know, gosh. that whole thing, that whole doctor patient relationship thing yeah. of the past has been completely authoritarian. Totally. You got it. And exactly. so for us to even even consider learning how to become our own alchemists oh, is I love that. it's yes. hard but yes. we but we can and should you have yeah and so for me I've had to I haven't had a choice because the meds and the, the and I've always felt like a weirdo honey like because I've, <laughs> I've quit alcohol I quit alcohol in 2009 like everyone's on like the Cali sober everyone's giving up alcohol now Back in 2009, my grandmother thought I was a weirdo. She was like, what do you mean you don't drink? Like, it was like, so back then I felt, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I just have a glass of wine? Like, because like, for me, I have a sip of alcohol. It's a wrap. Like, I've tried every possible way to interact with that drug in a healthy manner. And there's just, as soon as it touches my lip, it's like a switch and I turn into a gremlin. Um, and wow. I, and so I felt like a freak. Like I felt, I, I felt like I was broken and it's crazy to look back on it and think, holy cow, alcohol is actually a kamikaze to the brain. I'm not anti-alcohol. I think that people need to be educated on what it's actually doing to your body. Oh, education about alcohol. <laughs> Who would ever think to do that? Right. So it's like, look, like even if you're drinking in moderation, even two cocktails is going to totally screw up your sleep that evening. Like it's just so totally. So, so for me, but at the time it, I was, it, I was the broken one. And I'm like, it wasn't the drug. That was the problem. I was the problem. And <laughs> so, so that to me was like, I, I, and why again, we going back to the beginning of our conversation where I feel an obligation to share my experiences is because I don't want anyone to feel like I did. I felt so alone. Yeah. I felt like yeah. I had to figure it out on my myself. And when I uh oh, hang on a second, honey, hang on. Oh no, I can't stop them. Once that happens, five of them. <laughs> and uh, maybe Daddy just came home or something. <laughs> I've got two, so don't worry. I know. Yeah, exactly how <laughs> I'm so going. sorry. No. Okay. No, no I love. Well, it. anyway, um, I'm I'm just I love hearing your story, and it's well, of course, because it's such a success 
story and it will help so many people have the courage to try something new, you know, and to buck the Western sick care philosophy that we've all been conditioned in, you know, all our lives. We've been told, you know, if we have a sniffle or whatever, we go to the doctor and he tells us what is the matter with us and what we have to take for it. Exactly. It's interesting because um, the internet, right? Like the rise, mm. the access that we have to information now, the yeah. like that, that positions us in a, in a different way. Whereas historically the doctors went to school for years and they had the information and for you to get that information, you'd have to go to the library and check out yeah. medical books and stuff like that. But often, often you find that doctors are also Googling. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Well, thank you, technology. And I'm so thrilled that we have (laughs) the grace of all these compassionate cannabis doctors who are opening up their uh, discoveries and, and, and their processes to the world. It's you know, magical. It really It's magical. magical. And you don't have to have a $60,000, you know, education to understand it either. They're they're being quite generous to help everybody understand and boy, it it's an amazing it's an amazing industry, I think. It I'm really I'm just oh, it really so tickled is. to be in it. Yes, me too. I agree. And my um so my focus, I work with one of my clients is a, it's called acute on chronic and mm-hmm. it's run by um, this wonderful woman, Rebecca Abraham. And she, she's an ICU nurse um, by practice, by trade. She right? sounds real familiar. I'm sure she's, she's out on the conference circuit. I'm sure you've yeah. run into I, her. I bet I have. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the thing that they're doing and why I'm, I feel really blessed about the work that I do is that I get to choose projects and um, businesses and organizations that are really doing things that speak to my soul. And so what they're doing is they have this really incredible education program that's run by nurses, right? And so they partner oh. with medical dispensaries and they basically, you can, you, you pay for like three sessions with an actual nurse who is a trained cannabis nurse. And they, they have full inventory of the, your medical dispensary. And they literally, it's like a, a very curated handheld consultation where they're that's fantastic it's 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 really great and and that's the thing is like bud tenders are fantastic but when you're dealing with an actual medical dispensary my mother for example is an example like she isn't going to go into a dispensary and necessarily trust what the bud tender is telling her but if she's talking to a nurse that's a different story so i do think that there is also just we have to be cognizant of where people are entering into this space and their comfort levels right. and where you and I may be more adventurous, quote unquote, to try things out on ourselves and trial and error. Well, but that's only because we have more knowledge. You got it. You about got it. it. And so I'm, it. I'm, I'm, you know, we, we, I, what you're doing is so important. We've just got to educate the people and get them to understand the fundamentals. Just the fundamentals would be so helpful to them. You know, use clean weed. Where do you get clean weed? How do you know Watering. if it's clean weed? COA. What's a COA? <laughs> I'll tell you what a COA is. Exactly. You know. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. So there, with this rolling legislation throughout the country, there's just, you know, and it's so hard to trust our legislators uh, right now. 
and and uh, it's it everybody really has to turn into their own advocate about uh the the medicine that they're going to ingest and all this cbd talk and d8 talk and coo talk and you know all these different compounds being sold in different ways may or may not be good for you but you won't know until you research exactly and you know what it's, it is a massive shift in the way that our population interacts with the medical system because yeah, we've been trained that way. We are trained. And going back to what you said about um, psychedelics and mushrooms, where it's like journaling, you have to participate. Like mm-hmm. you need to, it's not a, it's not here, take a pill. You're good. It's a, here's a catalyst that is going to require effort and attention and mindfulness to really right. benefit from it. And that is very different. Our, our society, Western society is so impatient, so yeah. low attention. We yeah. are go, go, go. Give me a thing to make me productive and feel yeah. good so that efficient. I don't have to worry about this. Yeah. You know? Make me efficient and if, and do it now, damn it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right now. Exactly. 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 Well, that's, you see that with the ADHD stuff, right? So, yeah. um, and so it's interesting because I, um, I went and got a brain scan in uh, end of 2021. Uh, cool beans. I, yeah. So my, um, it was coming off of a, like a tragic thing that happened in my, my personal oh, circle and I felt sorry. off. And um, so I just, I was curious, but I am, as I, you've, I've said, kind of skeptical about everything. <laughs> so I didn't want to just, and again, not knocking talk therapy. It hasn't been super effective for me specifically. Yeah. And I think we just all need to have different tools in our toolkit that are available. Yeah, um, absolutely. But for me, I was like, I just want to see my brain and then I'll just go figure it out and I'll like hit my scientist <laughs> friends and do that. So yeah. I paid out of pocket. I went to um, actually the Amen clinics, which I've got thoughts on it. I'm not recommending that necessarily, but I went and got a spec brain scan and part of the output of that experience was I ended up getting diagnosed with ADHD because you could see um and and also I've I've educated myself on brain imaging since then and neuroscience since then so I actually have sort of a counter take a little bit on what they diagnosed me with yeah Um, (laughs) but um they diagnosed me with ADHD because you can see the lack of blood flow to my prefrontal cortex and that Mm -hmm. that is that that can be that can be ADHD but also trauma actually Mm presents mm. that way and I had just gone through this fairly traumatic experience um wow. but they they gave me an ADHD diagnosis they gave me a prescription immediately and wow. I said to them and I was like hey <laughs> um I I have not I have not tried I have, have not messed with ADHD meds like I told you um earlier just to avoid um I was hesitant about stimulants but I also am a very productive person and I'm like do I really like like, I don't know that this is, I don't know that I need more concentration. Like, I don't know that I need more productivity. I'm actually, it's turning the dial down is what I actually struggle with. Um, right. And so they gave me this prescription and that I didn't fill it. And I think that's the other thing that I, um, for everyone where it's like, just cause a doctor gives you a prescription, that doesn't mean that like you should take, you should do your own research. Like you shouldn't just take what a doctor says who doesn't know you as intimately as you know yourself, you should at least have some level of participation in it. Um, And so for me, I have the prescription and then I went 
through a whole sort of self-evaluation process. I did a ton of research. I spoke to a lot of people. That's the thing is for you to be and have agency in your own health journey, it does require work. (laughs) Sure (laughs) does. But, but I argue that this is the one place that you should put the work in. Like it's your body, it's your mind, it's your life. Like it affects every single aspect of everything that you do. So if you're going to put a lot of energy into something, it's ensuring that you understand what's best for your own health and mental health. And so for me, I, my evaluation was, um, I actually ended up trying, I wrote an uh, essay about this on my blog, but a friend of mine was like, before you fulfill the prescription, why don't you just try, take a couple Adderall over a couple of days, see how it goes. I'll give you literally three, see how it goes. And then like, you can decide from there. And so I did, I was like, you know what? Okay. At least we're in a container. We can try this. We'll see how it goes. Maybe it will help. Okay. And so the thing that I found is that, yes, I was a productivity machine. Uh-huh. I wrote, I have so many unfinished essays. I'm a big writer. Um, and I, I wrote a lot. I didn't sleep though. I was up until three, 4 a.m. writing like a maniac. And, um, and I paid it. To, so the first day I was like, wow, oh my gosh, like, holy cow, this is a good drug. This is a, this is something that like will make me beyond productive. Um, um. And I liked it. And then the next day I did it again, but I paid attention and I noticed I'm, I'm very empathetic. I pick up on people's energy. And what I noticed is there was an agitation when I got interrupted in my, my like process in my work, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It, it, it's it, super subtle, but I pay attention to this stuff. And it was this super subtle nuance where I was way more focused on doing a thing and a task versus connecting with the person that I was talking to and very, very subtle, subtle change. Wow. I I noticed it. And then the last day when I was on my last, the last one, I felt that voice come back, that demon that's like, oh shoot, your stash is out. Like, oh my gosh, you know? So like it, and I haven't had that with psychedelics. I haven't had that with cannabis, but it was that little nagging Mm -hmm. familiar voice that I haven't felt in a long time. And I was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Done with that shit. Yeah. And so for me, what I use, like, I, 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 I don't know. I don't, I, I have issues with labels in general. I think our brains are all on various scales. I think the labels can be helpful to provide you some level of guidance, but I think you shouldn't put as much stock into all of this stuff as people do. So for me, I'm like, okay, I understand that I need to work out all the time. So I, I basically was like, all right. Adderall ain't it. I'm going to use lion's mane on the functional mushroom side. I'm going to sleep better and be bullish about that. I'm going to work out aggressively every day to get my energy out. And I found that really focusing on the aspects that are just like natural healthcare, like maintenance on a daily basis, that really has been like the thing that has saved my, my mental health in general is just making sure I'm prioritizing sleep. And eating healthy and moving my body. Prioritizing you. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and then supplementing with like things that I know are good for my brain, like yeah. microdosing psilocybin and lion's mane and some of these other functional mushrooms. And it made me realize I'm like, okay, Adderall and the ADHD class of medications ha- has helped so many of my friends. I don't want to knock it. Right. Right. Uh, but you have to evaluate yourself. 
And that to me is the biggest thing within psychedelics and cannabis. Neither of those are panaceas. If you can get your mental health in order by meditation or running or something that's not narcotic or like doesn't require an external compound, great. But we need to be educated and have more tools in our toolkit. And that has been, when I look back on my journey, the issue is, is that I was only ever really presented with one lane to go down. And that's not how we are. We're so different. We're all so different. We need to have, we need to have a, like, a variety of different a spectrum, options. right? Yeah. Spectrum of options Absolutely. because we are a spectrum of humanity. Exactly. So exactly. That's that's the way that I look. That's why I get so excited about these spaces is because cannabis is super helpful. And if you love cannabis, maybe you're not. Maybe psychedelics isn't exactly the the path for you, or vice versa, or neither of those. And you do cold plunges and just, you know, run yeah, right. like, and yeah, singing through the forest around a campfire, whatever the it is, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. it is that helps you be the best version of yourself and continue right. to try to strive for that. And like the best version doesn't mean you're a biohacker that's taking 18,000 nootropics on a daily basis, right. you know, <laughs> like, cause that's the other thing is people are like on this. Well, there's like a, it's almost like toxic wellness where it's like, if you're not doing every single thing that the biohackers are doing, you're basically dying. That's not it either. Like you just need to figure out what's healthy for you. And if that's just moving lightly on a daily basis and drinking water and just trying to decrease your sugar content, whatever. Right. Like it's just constantly. I think like that. I go into the fridge, you know, into the kitchen to get something to drink and I've got a choice and I think, Oh, I'll just have a seven up and a cranberry and a, Oh, hell you won't either. You're not going to drink all that sugar. Just go right over there to the faucet and get some water, girl. And that's mm-hmm. what I do. Yeah. But it's really, it, it, it's, yeah. it's really prioritizing yourself and helping because nobody gets younger. Nobody. And the older we get, the more prescriptions you're going to be on if you don't take care of yourself right now. Nailed it. Absolutely absolutely yeah absolutely so well it's been so much fun to listen to your world and and to know that you've been such a success on the other end of all of that trauma and honey it you know say what you will I just think the conditioning of our uh lineages and and how we are brought up (laughs) had an awful lot to do with putting you in the position you were in to suffer so, you know, nothing, I, I don't, my grandfather had me lighten his pipes before I was two years old. My mother <laughs> right. kept me lighting her cigarettes while she drove, right? right? She right. made me fix her drinks while she was driving. Right. And, she, and, right. and, and, and you know, and I was right. the darling little Shirley Temple type that <laughs> served uh, the bar when she'd have parties. Yep. So, yep. you know, all that. Completely. So yeah, I I went through that whole process uh, the same with you, and and had a bit of a, uh, a comeuppance with some friends as well who really saved me. Oh, you know, uh, wonderful. No, it's wonderful yeah. to hear that. And and the truth is, is like my experience because I um I I've had like there's a lot of reflection when you're going through recovery and some of and and and. Um, it's hard, you, you know, the trauma of like where every single person on the planet is traumatized to some extent. Yeah, and, um, that's it. And the truth is, though, is that what psychedelics um, mm-hmm. done for me, mushrooms specifically, 
I started my like big macro dosing. I do solo journeys. I have a whole, a whole process that I will admit I spent years getting my own process together before I actually did my first solo journey. So it's been a And that's time. what you need to do. I, yeah, because it's, it's so different than, than your reality. It's it completely, it's, um, you just you really want to have somebody to help you with it unless you are, uh, a very advanced, um, a user like yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I met like, I, before I had, I, I, I had read probably every, every like known psychedelic text that's out there. There's um, a book called the psychedelic explorers guide that um, I've got that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so like just a lot of research on myself. And then when I went into and I, I and tapering up, right. So it's like yeah. my first one was like, like just around two grams. I, I have a tea ceremony that I do. Um, and then had like, basically my process starting January 1st, 2021 up until January 1st, 2023. So it was literally to the day, two years, I was doing uh, an intentional mushroom trip, a deep macro trip every oh, wow. three, to, three to four months. So, you know, it's like uh -huh. around once a quarter, more like three times a year. And so journaled, wrote everything. I record every single session because I work with a lot of scientists. Um, so that was working through a lot of and then microdosing in between. So it was a very intentional two year process that I was working through a number of different things. So let me ask you this yeah. is is three or four grams for you. You called it a macro dose. Is it is it what uh, some would consider the God dose? So when you're talking about like a hero's God dose, um, you're probably talking more you're taught, I mean, it depends, right? Like it depends on what you mean. But so, so usually when you're talking about a macro macro dose, uh -huh. it's like, you're talking about like five to seven grams. That being said, I'm, I'm pretty small person. So I'm a lightweight with literally everything. So uh -huh. the, the most I've done is four grams, but I have had that connectivity to the universe thing, right? Like I have had that on the four grams, but my recommendation for anyone is there's no rush titrate right. up start small yep add on as yep. you go that's um, how we like to do it in cannabis too start small go precisely. slow use the tiniest amount see if it's effective precisely because like you 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 overdo it you're gonna be uncomfortable you're not gonna, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be uncomfortable like like and that's the thing like you can't there's no real amount of there's no amount of psilocybin mushrooms you can eat and die like you're going to be really uncomfortable and just honestly, your stomach will feel like crap because you're just yeah. ingesting all of these mushrooms. Yeah. But the reality is you're not going to die, but yeah. you don't want to Same eat. for cannabis. Yeah. You don't, you eat a hundred milligram edible, like you're, you're probably going to feel not exactly the way you want it to feel. Maybe depending on your dose sizing. Like it just depends. Yeah. Um, I, I once bought a thousand milligram THC yeah, edible in Colorado. That. I couldn't believe my eyes. I could not believe, I mean, I just, I just wanted to frame the whole thing and not ever eat it, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I, again, I'm a lightweight. Like I have a 25 yeah. milligram edible. That's good. I'm good. Like a 50 milligram, I'm on my butt. Like I am done. Right. right. <laughs> so, so it's just, you got to touch. But then the interesting thing, which is, which was interesting after my heart surgery is that I was like, okay, I'm going to have for me like a two and a half, five milligram edible does nothing like I can't feel it necessarily from a psychoactive standpoint so I was like yeah I'll have like a little 
five, five milligram edible after my surgery in combination with CBD. I don't know what it is, um, but my tolerance had gone through the floor. I don't know how that happens over a week or if there's something with the anesthesia or something, but I, I took, I think it was half of a five milligram. It was a, such a small amount. And I, I was like, Ooh, and I, I wasn't like, you know, I'm a experienced cannabis user, but I could tell it's like, Ooh, this is a little more than I wanted. <laughs> um, oh, so- for goodness sakes. I wonder what the terpene content was. <laughs> yeah, I, forget. I can't even remember what it was. Um, but it's just, it's, uh, it's interesting. So that, but for me though, the four milligram. And so the reason mm-hmm. I brought that up is it relates to like the parental trauma and stuff is that a big part of it and something that's so beautiful about these experiences is that it reminds, like, you, I, any resentment that I've had towards my family or my parents or my upbringing, it's gone. Right. It's, it's like, like, I, cause you look at that it. That sounds like, like a mushroom to me. Yeah. You just yes. look at it and you're like, you have just such empathy and compassion for the human beings. And you realize right. we're just literally the, the, the tip of the spear of a long line of trauma. <laughs> yes. Reality. Like yes. we all are. So yes. We just all need so much love yeah and so we're just people we're just trying to do our best and even when it goes poorly and so that for me has been um probably the most valuable piece of my entire experience is, is that any resentment i had about anything is is gone it's it's replaced with compassion for my mother and my father and for oh. understanding that they're human beings and i had an amazing upbringing in so many ways and um like I'm really proud of where I'm at right now and the trauma and the, the, the stuff I've overcome is a hundred percent. That's part of it. Like, Aww. you know, so, so yeah, I wouldn't be me if it weren't for that. I can't imagine who I'd be if I hadn't gone through that and the empathy I have for others that are experiencing addiction and challenges. I don't know. I w- it would be the same if I hadn't directly experienced it myself. So in a way I'm like just deeply grateful that I've had, these experiences. And I feel lucky that I've overcome it because so many people don't. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Well, like I said, it's lovely to see a success story, you know, coming through uh, traumatic experiences that you've had, you know, so beyond your control. Hello, heart thing. (laughs) That's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I I always say See, and so we're so tickled. Tell tell the audience how they can get in touch with you, won't you, Emma? Yes, of course. So um, I have my agency website is called, it's A, B as in boy, O as in orange, performance, aboperformance.com. Um, you can reach out to me there via, there's like an email, but then also I'm on all of the social channels um, except for TikTok and Facebook. Um, <laughs> so I'm not actually on all the social channels, but I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm on Twitter, and you can find me under my name, Emma Beckerly. Um, That's great. <laughs> well, I hope the next time you get to come down to Florida that you'll swing into Melbourne and, and uh, hang out with me for a little bit, and we'll conjure up some real fun together. Yes, I will be there in April for the Benzinga conference. So, Oh, the we'll- Benzinga. Okay, great. Yes. yes. All right, good. Well, CanMed is coming up here pretty soon, also in April. And there's a bunch of friends, um, you know, coming in from all over the world, probably for that. So, yeah, that's going to be wonderful, too. Well, I'll see you down here sometime then, honey. It's just been lovely chatting with you and seeing your world. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Okay, Emma, take care, darling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to another Cannabis Truth Podcast with 21st century cannabis shaman, Honey Smith Walls. That's me. About the importance of using verifiably safe products. The process of getting a diagnosis from your family doctor and taking your records to a cannabis specialist can lead you to the correct cannabinoid therapy for those issues. Otherwise, you're just your own guinea pig looking for answers without any foundational knowledge or ability to determine the best choices or strategies. To find a qualified cannabis expert in your area, visit CannabisClinicians.org. It is a National Society of Cannabis Experts, and you'll see that link down in my show notes. Unless otherwise proven by a reputable third-party lab test, please regard all street weed as contaminated. It may do grave harm to a patient with a delicate immune system who already has inflammatory issues like arthritis, IBS, fibromyalgia, or worse. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you found value and understanding through my podcast. I have many more thoughts upon the subject that go in a more spiritual direction. So in that vein, please join my live stage every Sunday at 8 a.m. Eastern for Cannabis Truth on Clubhouse. Oh, I think I hear the cows calling. Mm-hmm.